0: You. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Welcome to another episode of Dad Is Not A Now. My name is Ishmael, changing the narrative for Men of Color and Fatherhood, as well as changing the narrative on the things I care about. And before I get into this episode of Dad Is Not A Now, which is an amazing conversation that I'm going to share with you guys, I want to give a quick shout-out to my sponsor for this t- today's episode, j one Con. Are you a fan of animation, cosplay, and gaming, artist, vendor, playing, pl- panels, and live music at a great price, then you should check out J1Con, November 4th to November 6th in Atlantic City. Just a great community that comes together for the love of gaming, you name it. Blurred, all types of group comes together for this great event. Again, from November 4th to November 6th at the Showboat Hotel, uh, 801 Broadwalk, Atlantic City, New Jersey. For more for more information on J1Con, go to www.j1con.com. And now, going into this episode of That Is Not A Noun, I want to share a great interview I had two years ago uh, when I was a part of High Creativity Podcast with my homie, homie, I will love always, the one and only DJ Paul. We had a great conversation with the one and only Armergo Gaza. If you don't know who Armergo Gaza is, he is the one who created the Yase uh, Gay project. That was a collaboration mix with the with Marvin Gay and uh, Mostaf, but Yase Bay, which is like one of my favorite. Um, joints of all times just the album is just dope and then we also had the one and only marcus williams everyone who knows marcus williams one of the most talented illustrator artists on the planet um he's known with his collaboration with greg burham for the Tuskegee Airs, which if you don't know you need to go cop that just a great um novel just a great series and he does other things on the side we had a great conversation. We talked about animation. We talked about music. We talked about a a, a, a host of different things. And the cool thing about this interview is that with uh, Marcus, while we was interviewing, interviewing him, he was drawing at the same time. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Like, subscribe and all that good stuff. And I'll see you soon. Peace.
2: Cool welcome back to another episode of the okay i'm gonna start again because you're like what like see see what we'll see what happens folks see what happens this is what this is what an international podcast looks like anyways <laughs> welcome back to another episode of the high creativity podcast you're now tuned in locked into the one and only j uncle juju saint paul and who do i have
1: with me in the building Ishan, and that's all you get for me at this moment as per usual
2: now we're joined by two absolutely amazing guests today we've got an Uh, just an astounding graphic artist um, and we've got an amazing beat producer who's worked on a crazy project, which we're going to dive into for guys in just a moment. But as per usual, I'm going to do my usual share screen business and we're going to plug, plug, plug and give you guys your usual announcements. So once this wants to come up, here we go. So as per usual, just make sure you guys check out the I am hip for all of the latest hip hop news and articles. We cover a wide variety of subjects. And also, you can check out even our latest interviews with even people like Crisis McCall, or maybe check out our previous I am hip hop podcast, which we recorded. We placed on the um, I am uh, with Global Faction. Sorry, should we say? We're always good at keeping you updated with new music releases, articles, and the ins and outs of what's going on in hip hop um, culture, as well as poetry, education, radio show, and just so, so, so much more. Or maybe you want to guys want to copy yourself the latest issue of I Am Hip Hop magazine, issue number six, designed all by myself. Not all of the articles, of course, just designed by it. Look how pretty that looks. Look at Raju Kumari just looking like an absolute. Star on it. So we're shipping to the UK for £2.50 and for a £2 delivery charge added on top or you can copy yourself a digital copy. Just jump onto the I Am Hip Hop Magazine Instagram page. All of the links will be found there. Or maybe you want to copy yourself some I Am Hip Hop merchandise. You can get yourself some, some t-shirts, some hoodies, maybe some crop tops. We've got all types of different sayings. Man, we flexing out here. So if you want to help us, then go, go over and copy yourself something now and we do ship internationally as well it's all done by printful so it is all done by a direct to garment basis the metro fest you guys know i've been promoting this and promoting this hard because i am DJing at the flavor of the month tent on the 8th of august over here in london i believe early tech ticket uh, early bird tickets sorry are still available if not, just copy yourself a ticket, anyways. This is going to be one of our first official outings where we can get close together. We've been locked up for far too long. We've got great people coming like Fat Joe, Blackstreet, Eve, Maya, Bobby V, John B, Tony Touch, Fat Man, Scoop. Even in a comedy ska- um, shack, we've got legends like Richard Blackwood, Cat, Slim, Kane Brown, Dizzle. Then, yeah, we got Tony Touch dropping down. We've got Skinny Man coming through. we got Hip Hop Karaoke, DJ 279. What more can you ask for for a Sunday out after this last? Well, I can't, I've lost count, guys. I've lost count. All I know is it's been longer than 12 months. If you want to check out our I Am Hip Hop podcast, which is this was also going to be on. Go to I Am Hip Hop, all one word, Space Magazine. Catch up on our previous episodes or even catch up on some of the latest um, episodes of the podcast. But maybe you don't want to see our faces. I know for whatever reason why that may be. You know, hate is hate. I don't care. But you might just want to go listen to us because we're good drive time music. Go and clean in your house around there kind of music. But it's really a podcast, so there's no music except for the intro. But you know the vibe I'm getting on. So you can go check us out on anchor.fm forward slash high creativity. Listen to us on Spotify. We're on Google as well. And also a free other few platforms. Or maybe that's all far too much for you. So then you might want to go to my link tree. L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash high creativity. We've got made that into a jingle soon. Trust me. So you can go check all of the links there What I mentioned for the Metrofest, the website Check out That Is Not The Noun um, Which is Ish's amazing project And what he does for the father community uh, With that one Partners is all there The No Name Podcast I've made it all so simple for you And all of my social links and email included If you just want to hit us up Now we're done with that Let's bring it back to our guests Welcome gentlemen
1: Welcome, 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 welcome. Thank you, thank you for joining us First, let me try to a, a little bit different here. We got the big homie, Marcus Vision, illustrator. Just, just all around dope. You know, up, he's girl? a co-author of a comic novel called The Tuskegee <laughs> Airs. Um, <laughs> tell man, me man. You know, about The Tuskegee Airs a little bit.
3: Yeah, no. Um, so Tuskegee Airs is a, a futuristic sci-fi action-adventure comic. Uh, me and my business partner, Greg Burnham, Came up a concept based on a conversation it's set 80 years from now, and it follows five young black pilots that are being trained by a descendant of the Tuskegee Airmen. Uh, The cool thing and the weird thing is in this future, air flight is, uh, manned air flight is illegal. So only drones and computerized aircraft are allowed. So they're training during this time because their actual mentor, Colonel Mars, thinks that something ominous is happening. The government is going to do something He's gotten some intel over the years. He turns out, you know, to be right. And these large robot machines are actually set free to attack, you know, cities all around the world. No one knows why, but the Tuskegee Airs, the kids actually are the last line of defense for humanity. They need an upgrade because they've been flying, practicing in the P-51 Mustangs of, you know, of old, World War II just renovated. Uh, they get some brand new jets that transform into giant robots themselves. So. Um, they now have a fine chance. It is an all-ages book. They go all over the world and uh, discover lesser-known historical, you know, um, you know, elements and things like that. But it's an action, adventure comic sci-fi. It's heavily inspired by anime. I'm a huge anime buff. But me and Greg tried to come up with something that everyone can approach, a whole family can read together. Uh, we didn't dumb it down. Uh, there's things in there like the old heads or you know the kids are going to easter island and we of course touch on the history we don't slow the book down so you're learning but you don't know you're learning um so they do it but uh animation is the goal man so we've been doing the comic for a couple of years now but uh i'm looking forward to that that you know streaming on netflix or whatever so you know whatever
1: but um that's what's been going on for the past couple handful of years that's dope, and then we wanted to do something a little bit different here because of the main guest that we have on today. Um, uh, Marcus, can you kind of give us an early look at what you got so far, or is it just a blank? I
3: don't know if I can, show, I don't know if it's gonna work like that. It's not you know, I'm I thought to, um, we established I'm recording an issue, yeah, yeah I'm Okay, I'm, I'm recording I'm, I'm, what's I'm, happening, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah,
1: I'm, I'm <laughs> people a taste of what they may see because of this special guest, no, yeah, 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 right yeah. now.
3: The way yeah, the way we're gonna do it is I'm gonna so that way when it goes down. Y'all going to be able to play this and y'all see it as it's happening. So, yes, they're going to get what, edited in, I believe.
2: <laughs> yes, it will. So, like, so, ladies and gentlemen, so once again, let's give you a reason to move over from the audio to go over to the YouTube. Even if it, no, you need this for the whole thing. We're going to make you watch it all. I'm not chapter, I'm joking. I will chapter out. But at the end of it, we're going to do a, we're going to do a fast sketch of what um, the amazing Marcus The Visual has done. And no, one, 100%, bro. Shout out to the idea, man. That's, that's layers on layers and layers of greatness, man, for real. And it has everything that I like big robots, black people, and an end of the world. You're saving it. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you, what that's more do you sold. need? That's so. So. <laughs> yeah.
1: right. right. And this special guest that we have on, I truly privilege that he's joining us because his first, that project that came in that changed my life, the Yasin Gay Project. I still listen to that today. Mm. It's just a timeless piece because there's certain um, albums or what you listen to that you, you can just listen forever. And I'm truly honored and we're truly humbled and honored to have this brother on. Amerigo Gaza, beat maker, DJ. This do, this brother does everything. How you doing, brother? What's going on? I'm good. Thanks for having bye, me, bye, bye. So how's it been being locked down in uh, Croatia? Because uh, originally... Not originally, but you lived in Tennessee and then you moved to Croatia. So, how's lockdown been in Croatia?
4: Uh, it's interesting, man. I, I actually, I've I was living in the Bay for a couple of years prior to this. So, so I was in the Bay Area for first half of the lockdown, and then we we decided to come to Croatia. My wife got a job here, and so we pulled the trigger and and moved all our stuff and uh, you know, just getting set up, getting the new studio popping, and like you know trying to get uh, adjusted to the new culture, lifestyle, learning the language, listening to podcasts. And and yeah, it's been good, man. It's, you know, it's it's kind of a strange time everywhere with, with the pandemic. And so, you know, it's not really, uh, it's been weird because I haven't been able to do as much like sightseeing and stuff like I, I, that you would normally do when you move to a new country, you know, because things have been closed and locked down. So I'm looking forward to you know, the vaccines are starting to get distributed here and hopefully things will start opening up soon and we'll be able to kind of live more of a, a normal existence. And I'll be able to explore more of the city, more of the country, you know, uh, network with some of the some of the locals here, some of the hip hop scene and all that. So. Um, but yeah, we're making it work. And uh, yeah,
1: that's dope. And you say you're from the Bay. Would you say your, your earlier music uh,
4: influence started from the Bay? No, nah, I mean of- we are living in the Bay. I'm from Nashville yeah. actually, but uh okay. but I was in the Bay for a couple of years and and yeah, that that definitely, you know, uh made an impact on on me and my music as well, you know, just listening to KML every day and riding around listening to Too Short and <laughs> going to shows and uh yeah, but uh but now I grew up in Tennessee and and that, you know, that's definitely had an impact on my music as well, you know, the there's a lot of history there in terms of like Stax Records in Memphis and like soul music and, and, uh, you know, all the, the history of like Jefferson Street in Nashville and, and Jimi Hendrix spent some time in Nashville. There's, there's a lot of cool history that you, you could dig into about Nashville, but, um, gospel and all that. So, uh, but yeah, Nashville to the Bay and then now Croatia. But talk oh, about, your, to-
1: yeah, bro.
2: Well, I was going to ask them because being from the UK, that's what makes this very, a very unique link up because you mentioned you just touched on like Nashville, but what was it like growing up in Nashville and then finding your, you know, your love for hip hop? Uh,
4: Yeah. I mean, when I was coming up, there wasn't actually too much of a hip hop scene. There was a, there was a radio show that was ran by DJ Egon and Count Bastie called the 911 emergency show. So that played a big influence on me growing up, you know, and and got me into hip hop and sampling and records and lots of dope record stores there that I used to dig in, but it, it is music city. So there's always been a musical element in Nashville. It's just, uh, uh you know, people don't really associate it with, with hip hop. It's more country and rock and that type of thing, but there, there's definitely a flourishing hip hop scene now. And, um, and yeah, that's, you know, everybody plays music. Everybody's in a band or, you know, dads or, you know, parents grew up playing music and instruments. So um, I was always surrounded by it. My dad's a jazz trumpet player and, uh, you know, he was always playing gigs and around Nashville and different places. I used to go on tour with him and go to studio sessions and, and you know, just be a fly on the wall. So. So, yeah, uh, it definitely, definitely made an impact.
1: And uh, and then also talk about um, some of the talk about like your early love for jazz, like who like some of the jazz artists you um, you listen to or you still listen to.
4: Um, Well, my mom, my mom is actually well, yeah, my dad's a jazz trumpet player. My mom is from Brazil, so uh, I've always been into a lot of Brazilian jazz, Bossa Nova, that type of thing. And, uh, you know, people like Antonio Carlos Jobim, just just the classics of, of like Brazilian bossa Nova and jazz. Uh, and then uh, with my dad being a trumpet player, you know, I've always been a huge Miles Davis fan and, uh, and actually got to uh, collaborate with the Miles Davis estate uh, a couple of years oh, ago for, for a remix wow. on, on the rubber band of life EP that came out. So uh, it's the old studio sessions from 1985 that they dug up from, from Miles Davis's, Catalog and uh, re- reimagined, and so I got to collaborate with Vince Wilburn Jr., who's Miles Davis's nephew, and uh, Ledisi to to work on a remix. So that was just a huge, like, full circle moment because, like I said, you know, my dad's a trumpet player. Always grew up listening to Miles, and and to be to be able to like jam with with his his nephew and and the ghost of Miles essentially was like, you know, mm. a huge huge moment for me. So, uh, so yeah. I'm a huge huge jazz head.
1: And it and it comes and it's you can hear it in the in the in the in the mashup that you you, you produce and everything like that. Um talk about that first time when it when you when it when it came to just this is what you want to do when it comes to music. Like uh like what was the first song you listened to or even like the like just, just in general that made you feel like you know what this is this is this is what I want to do this is my passion
4: um I don't know if I can remember the first time because it's always been there you know it's like I said mm-hmm. it's, my family has always been surrounded by music and and it's always just kind of been a part of my life but uh but you know when I was super young I used to you know it started with uh, just listening to records and then i got like a hold of uh I, I started working at a computer shop over the summer one year and i, I got into like daw software like acid pro and, and fruity loops and things like that and started making beats and then then you know i got a record player and and it grew from there and and i used to try to like uh i had this game on playstation one mtv music generator that i used to try to like recreate yeah. my favorite beats with yeah. things like that and um and then, and then when my brother went to college, uh, my older brother Ricky, he uh, he left behind this shoebox full of cassette tapes. Except none of the cassettes were in them. It was just the cases with, with liner notes. And I started
0: <laughs> I started
4: flipping through those, and uh, and it was just all types of classic, you know, hip hop stuff like from the '90s, like Souls of Mischief and Hieroglyphics and Farside and Tribe and Gangstar. And so I started going out to Sam Goody and re- repurchasing the tapes since the tapes weren't in there and and he was in college so um and so i just started listening to him and and i think the moment that i knew i wanted to be a producer was when i heard gangstars moment of truth that was like Oi. one of the al- one of the albums that really like uh, hit me super hard and like when i heard those beats and the way you know it was all put together i was like this this is definitely what i want to do so uh so that record had a lot of influence um,
2: yeah like yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, because even Gangsta for me definitely moved me still to this day. I can go back and even Guru's Jazzmatazz, which is one of my favorite collections of um, Guru's work, work completely with the just how he really taps into the original soul of jazz and then brings it completely full circle into life and the amount of people he featured on it. But what's interesting because my dad used to be part of a band called Index. It's a UK fat, funk band called Index. And they actually came out of a track called Starlight, which is funny enough, one of my childhood favorite songs and still to, to this day. But what was it like, you know, because you said your dad was a um was a jazz musician who was or you know, trumpeter himself. What was it like being the son of you know, and your dad doing this and touring and then having that experience of being able to sit in on sessions and be a fly on the wall, especially to such a vibrant sound? What was what was that whole experience like?
4: Uh, It was amazing, man. You know, I I grew up around just all these incredible musicians. You know, people like Victor Wooten uh, and Colonel Bruce Hampton, and and just incredible, you know, instrumentalists and musicians around Nashville. That when I was a kid, they were just like my uncles. You know, they were just kind of like (laughs) people I looked up to. But I didn't really know, you know, until I got older, like who they were and like with the legacy that they 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 had behind them. And so, like as I've gotten older, I've really gotten to appreciate you know the time i spent growing up around those people and and um and yeah when i was like 16 or 17 my dad uh took me on tour with him uh to colorado we did a bunch of shows in colorado and that's when i got my first uh well already actually already had a dj like starter set like the gemini like decks with like <laughs> the crappy mixer and all that and uh but when i was like 16 or 17 my dad uh, Took me on tour with him and and bought me like for real techniques and like a good mixer. And like as soon as I got on that, I was like, you know, for a couple of years there with the Gemini, I was like, man, I really <laughs> suck at this. Like I'm not good at DJing. And then and then I got the techniques and I was just like, Oh wow, I am actually pretty good at this. Like this is I just had the wrong equipment. So, you know, once I got techniques and and like a good mixer, it was on. And then um You know, when we did those dates in Colorado, that was like my first time being exposed to like, you know, real venues and real crowds and and trying to warm up for my dad's band. And uh, that that really uh, I really learned a lot on that trip. And then, you know, to come back like years later and play some of those same venues like on my own as a DJ, as a headliner, you know, again, kind of full circle. So. uh, So, yeah, man, it's been it's been an interesting, interesting journey.
2: I'm sure you got okay. stories for days, and I definitely, yeah, i We're definitely gonna have to have you come back and just, you just do a do a history of what, like a step by step, you know, like a visual autobiography or audio one, man. For or just do one, I would actually read or watch that. But I will. One thing I would no, say no, is, especially no. coming from my from my early DJ day, days, them belt drives will do that for you, man. Direct drives will change your life. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know nothing about DJing, them Gemini's were known for having them belt drives, which was a pain. <laughs> Such a yeah. pain to do any backspins, transitions. <laughs> they were so sensitive. So, no, nah, I, I appreciate your struggle very well, sir. <laughs> yeah, totally.
4: <laughs> Good for sampling, but that's about it. Mm.
1: talking uh, about uh, talking about sampling, um, can you talk about um, that the 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 the, the important not important, but the 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 sampling aspect that a lot of people don't know. Um, how you were able to not get in trouble sampling? Because sometimes people s-
4: sample. and Oh, I've been in trouble. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. I've been in trouble for plenty well. of I times.
4: Like, what? <laughs> I think like, that's what's a the misconception. That you don't see- what's the secret? Yeah. People email me all the time. Like, how do you not get in trouble? I'm like, dog, I've been in trouble like multiple times. <laughs> <This> <laughs> is not- Talk
1: about it. Talk about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> not no, now.
4: I mean... <laughs> no, it's 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 an ongoing thing, and it's something I've, I've you know I've had to deal with throughout my career, and probably will continue to deal with. But you know, a mm-hmm. lot of my projects have been shut down. You know, my Bizarre Tribe project, the one you see here, hanging in the back the far side, and Tribe Called Quest that got shut down in 2012 by Sony. <laughs> uh Gay Part One got shut down like two days after it came out. You know, and that's when I decided wow. to do Volume Two, uh, the Return. Mm-hmm. And but then after I did volume two, you know, here's the interesting part is that, you know, volume one got shut down. But then when I did volume two and put that out shortly after that, Apple reached out to me and they were like, hey, we want to use this in an iPad commercial. And so I was able to actually work out, work out a deal with Apple and Universal Records and the Marvin Gaye estate, and most stuff. And we were able to actually get the samples cleared and get that one track cleared for the commercial. So. You know, it's just a lesson in in terms of like just just put it out there and keep doing it. And you know, I I don't really have all the answers when it comes to copyright or sampling, but you know, I'm I'm really just trying to get a conversation started. You know, I think sampling is an art form and and that's kind of what I try to prove and show with these projects. And um and you know, hopefully things like that, you know, can can help show people that, you know, there is a way to like you know sample re- sample things and do it respectfully to the artists and and everybody can get paid and like that we have the technology now to do that and there's no reason why like a project like Yazing gay can't exist on streaming platforms and all the streams get split between like all the different artists and so you know i've done lectures and talks at, at different universities and throughout the years at Google headquarters and USC and, and my alma mater, MTSU and different places like that about it. And it's, it's something that I'll continue to probably have to deal with, but, um, but you know, uh, I, I do believe that sampling, you know, it's the foundation of hip hop. None of this stuff would exist. We wouldn't even be here right now if it weren't for sampling mm-hmm. talking about this. So, you know, it's something I'm passionate about and, uh, definitely want to keep, keep the conversation going and, and keep the torch lit. So,
1: Fact. Um, and when it comes yeah. to sampling, I don't know if you agree with me, I see you as a historian, because what you're doing is you're taking classics, you're matching it together, and then you're getting people interested about those artists that you never knew. You feel where I'm coming from?
4: Yeah, totally. That's, that's the idea, you know, and, and it's not about like, you know capitalizing on on it or or trying to make money off it it's it's more about sharing the music with people and introducing people to these artists that that i I appreciate and love so much and and yeah getting them interested in their catalogs that's why i I try to include a lot of like interviews and sound bites and snippets in, in my projects to kind of get people interested in their lives and their stories and and go back and dig through their catalogs. And I, and I think it works, you know, I think if you, if we could look at the numbers, you know, you would see that, you know, people list who listen to my projects go back and, and stream the original songs and, and, you know, it only leads to more revenue for, for these catalogs that have been sitting around just collecting dust. So, mm. um, but I think all, all DJs, you know, in a sense, are historians and, and musicologists and, and, you know, uh, I think that people need to kind of reframe their perspective on that. But
2: yeah, One thing I will say from just what you said is I'd like to put that blanket over so you can do that in the, the, the politically correct way. Or you DJs ain't historians. I'm saying this for a fact. <laughs> you press play and you get paid. No, for, for people actually dig into the crates, that's one thing I would definitely say. So that's going to lead me to this next part is how do you, what process you go through in a sense of saying, you know what I want to put, for instance, you know, do the Yasin yes gay collaboration, or like you just said with the tribe Call quest, what, where do you, how do you go and make those correlations to be like, you know what, I think this is going to be dope with this. And this is going to give the sound that I'm looking for.
4: Well, I mean, with every project, I really, you know, it starts with trying to pick two artists that I think would, would go well together and that, and, and then really trying to create a story to kind of, make it feel like they were really jamming together in the studio and collaborating. So I don't just pick anybody and and it always, you know, I always try to put a lot of thought into it and pick people that complement each other musically. And maybe it's a lyric or something or something with every project that's different. Like for instance with Yasin Gay, there was this song Modern Marvel that most did on, on the New Danger album where he said one of the lyrics he said, uh you know if marvin was alive what would i say to him and so the the whole yaz gay project was kind of a response to that and so uh so yeah a lot of the times I, I like to make them have a conversation with each other so i'll try to find i'll try to have them complete each other's sentences or thoughts on the record and you know try, try to find parallels between their lyrics or their stories or their background and, you know, I do a lot of research. I, I usually try to read like the autobi- autobiographies or biographies of, of the artists that I'm that I'm sampling when, when I'm working on the project. And and after a while, those those dots, you know, sometimes it starts with like just one thing like that. And then I'll start to see more similarities as I'm doing more research and kind of digging through the samples. I'll start to find more bits and pieces that kind of fit together and, and make sense and. Um, and so it's just different. It's different with every project, but there's always kind of a seed that gets planted like that. And then it, it just grows from there.
1: Uh, can you talk about, because I think one of the least appreciated project, I think is also one of my favorite is the mashup with with uh, Nina Simone and Lower Hill that, you know, rarely get talked about, but I enjoy it because that kind of their stories kind of think together in a way, but can you kind of talk about that process of, doing that
4: mashup. Uh yeah, that one uh I think that one came out in 2018. Now it's been out for a couple years. Um but yeah, that that project came from I was doing a conference or a, a lecture at the EMP Pop Conference in Seattle and um it was hosted by my good friend and uh and uh Professor Zandria Robinson and after giving my lecture, she she brought it up. She she kind of put me on the spot and was like, yo, why haven't you done any projects with female artists? And uh, and I was like, well, that, that's a good point. Why haven't I done any projects with female artists? You know, it wasn't something I had consciously avoided or, you know, it was just something, you know, I guess I had overlooked at the time because I had been f- focused on Marvin Gaye and Most Deaf and James Brown and Biggie and all these other... Fela Kuti and De La Soul, but uh, when she asked me that, you know, it really made got me thinking, and uh, and then I I thought about, you know, try, try to think of two artists, two female artists that would really complement each other, and those were the first two that that came to mind, and um, and again, it's the same thing, you know. Once I started digging through their catalogs again, uh, which you know I was already somewhat familiar with, obviously, but um, once I started digging through it, I really started to find these different similarities and and the songs and uh and yeah really try to piece that together like i don't know i'm trying to think of an example but um like the song zion you know that's that lauren hill does for her son um and then i i took pieces of nia simone singing singing about brown baby and like there's just a lot of different similarities that you know you start to hear if, if you listen to the album over and over again you'll start to you know recognize these different kind of call and response moments where they they feel like they're talking to each other and and yeah i just uh again with every project i really try to try to make it seem like they were together or, or that they were really having a conversation with one one another and, and those two seemed like they really fit fit together so
1: it definitely mm-hmm. does man do you see yourself in the future doing another what's that, project? What's,
4: that uh, what's that one with um...
1: Which one? Marcus, what's up? You had a question?
3: Oh no, I was saying uh the, the one with uh Eric Simon and uh Marvin. Uh music is the my, of oh, oh, Just like music, oh, yeah,
4: yeah. Just like music, that's one of my
3: favorite tracks. Yeah, yeah
4: Like yeah. yeah. That's the jam. Yeah. <laughs> for real, for
2: real.
3: I've been I mean, I've been listening to old I've been listening to all our nineties videos while I work, man, and it's just the nostalgia of course beautiful but like certain songs man that song oh. has not diminished and it's it's that the way it was mixed the way it was you know composed and all of that like you're saying it was like they were talking too or as if they you know like he did it as it was it was made to be done that way
2: and that is artistry
3: man i don't care what nobody says that that song still hits uh every time it comes yeah on, and a remix like and a remix as well.
2: oh wait and just and was yeah, it fire like- as well fire <laughs> like because he did the other one as well fire with um with him and um and marvin as well which is amazing yeah. in fact maybe that's actually a good segue thanks for yeah. that marcus because that's yeah. made me peek a question it's like what um Michael, what do you yeah. think is the importance of making music timeless in a sense because it's not an easy thing I suppose I mean when you look through especially from your musical background you know you you have a firmer understanding of the struggles of where it started from to get music that we love and enjoy to get to a point where we're even here to get to the sampling generation and the mix-up mash-up of where we are kind of now but and I'm not I'm, there's no way I believe music has its own place in its own time but I think this is such a unique gem and making something that you want someone in 10 years to be like, yo, that still knocks, that still touches me in the same way. Or if you play it to your kids and they like hear it for the first time and they're just like, what is this? So I'm, um, cause, cause you, you create dig and beyond create dig you actually are like an artist where you're taking things from the past present or kind of present ish, I suppose we could say, say from it or generations. And then you intertwine this into this beautiful collaboration of me music um so if you don't mind it's just expanding on the the benefits of trying to aim for timeless music
4: yeah i mean that's that's always an aim for me when when i'm in the studio working is is trying to create something that's going to last and and leave a legacy and and i think sampling like you said is a big part of that i think that's that's what hip-hop does and that's the beauty of it is that it, it keeps this music alive and it keeps it fresh and and it keeps it relevant and so by sampling something that's old and and recontextualizing it into something new you're 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 making it timeless in a sense um even if it already was you know it might have gotten lost in time and that's that's what hip-hop producers do you know we find things that maybe got you know i mean obviously the 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 projects i've done or have been with bigger artists that you know like Marvin Gaye or, or Stevie Wonder, so you know I don't I don't think we we have to worry about them getting lost in time, but <laughs> uh, but at the same time you know like a lot of this, uh samples that hip hop producers use like DJ Shadow or you know stuff stuff, stuff like that the RJD2 or, or you know just uh, a more obscure stuff that that might have gotten lost or slept on you know like that's really what sparked my love of hip-hop was was hearing samples and 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 trying to figure out where that came from and then hearing it again and hearing the original song and digging at the record store hearing it on shazam or on the radio and, and um and yeah I, I think it's really important and that's that's why i'm such a such an advocate of of sampling and and repurposing music uh and trying to do it in a way that's you know beneficial to everybody because of course you know i i i think that artists need to get paid especially the older artists that created this music and and i'd be more than happy to to pay them if if there's a way you know to easily do that i think right now it's kind of still a wild west situation and and it's it's still a very fuzzy kind of confused convoluted system of You know sampling and i think companies like tracklib and and other platforms are doing a good job of trying to make it more accessible trying to make it where you know if i want to sample some something i can actually get a hold of the publisher and like pay a few thousand bucks and you know we can all make bread and like put it out whereas you know i don't want to be doing these projects illegally you know but if if i have to do that in order to get people's attention and get a conversation going you know so be it and so that's kind of what i've been doing that's kind of the career path that i've been on but um but you know uh i am starting to work work more with like mcs and, and artists and do more original stuff as well so um oh, but yeah always trying to make timeless music And that
3: leads so oh. oh, but good. that with that fun-
4: Sorry, sorry, Isha, I, I just because you just I think you just cool, mentioned the f-
3: the cool part. If I can Don't say, me. yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I, I was just gonna say. Yeah, I no. think the coolest thing, and, and hip hop, hip hop has done it in such a way throughout the years, man. Uh, if you look at what Kanye did with, uh, Ray Charles. You know, um, you know, she mm-hmm. give me money when um oh, mm-hmm. I got the phone in front of my face. Uh, when I'm in you know, if if you get if you get, uh, an artist if you get two artists together, one that is saying, you know, so what are you trying to say? And that's the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the DJ or the, the composer, the music, you know, can hear or get a concept. And then they go dig and craze, you know, saying, mm-hmm. Oh, I got something, you know, I know what's going to mm-hmm. speak to this song. Let me pull out. There's this little sample right here. Uh, Knife Wonder does uh, you know what I'm saying? Like the mastery in it to me is it takes a creative mind to say I heard one little piece from, you know, and y'all, you know, you are uh, record heads, you know what I'm saying, listening to music all day long, every day all throughout the year, but they can isolate something that speaks to a message. Oh. That speaks to about speaks to, you know, the the whole concept of a song. You know, um so when I heard that when Kanye came out with that one, I was just like, that's not humanly Possible. Heard that song, Ray Charles, but I never put. You know, like if you're listening to music, you just, you know, you're listening to the song. But to combine those two messages and spice it up in a way, you know, that's that's like black, excuse me, pastors from you know church in the south. You know, they'll cherry pick uh, uh, a verse in the Bible. <laughs> You know, like the, it, it be something that ain't got nothing to do with nothing be,
4: and like a whole sermon and, <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah Genesis 13 it'll be about trying to get more tithes and offerings sliced in verses all throughout the Bible and that's why you need to give you know but that's that way, that artistry yeah
4: that's well that's, that's full circle I, too I because this. yeah yeah no, that's full circle, too, because, you know, the gospel element and, and how it led to soul music. Basis. Soul, soul music is basically secular gospel music. When you think about it, if you replace the word... Exactly baby in every soul song with jesus you've got a gospel song or vice versa you know <laughs> so.
2: i'm actually gonna go and do that now i'm gonna go listen to a whole bunch of them random, random summers i gonna change i gonna change all of the jesus baby i'm like okay, yeah. I, got some bars. I got some bars now baby you better watch out because um, yeah. i'm actually talking about sampling. i watched um, them i'm not that's sure if you guys seen talking document yeah um I'm not sure if you've seen the documentary hip hop um the songs that shook America, and one of the episodes i think it's the first episode i believe is the one with Kanye West and how he made Jesus walks and it actually turned out that it was a um rehab group um uh, who made their own you know choir and basically sung this sample, which was actually passed on by um Oh, what's his face again as well? Um, I can't remember his name, the artist who was um who Kanye knew as well as close. Oh, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to have to find it up and put it in the comments. But he literally passed that to Kanye and said, yo, look, boom, you have to hear this. And as soon as Kanye heard that, he then reconstructed the whole thing. And then when the church group had heard it or the rehab group who'd made this choir group heard it, it was like, oh, my God, that's us. And that's how Jesus walks, came To be like um, Rhymefest, that's his name, Rhymefest Rhymefest, um, Passed that actually Yeah, yeah, he passed that to Kanye And that's the beauty of the whole thing But even touching onto that sample thing Because you did mention the fuzziness of the industry And I'm not sure if you will get in trouble If you can expand on it But what, is it because people Is it just a case, like you said, it's a wild west And that they want to make sure that they Own everything that this person Has done And that's why there's such such fuzziness when there's someone who's serious as you who's got a proven track record of actually great productive music taking the time try to really present them into a case of a new generation and also some people don't even know half the artists that we talk about because a lot of these youth may hear one or two songs but it's not there like us you play any of the artists that you've just mentioned in one of our family functions and jams we all know what's going on and what time it is but i'm really quite I have always find that kind of a bit interesting. How how is it that fuzzy for someone to take something and you know recycle it into? I would not say recycling it, but restructure it into something a little bit more flamboyant and modern.
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think part of it is um, part of it is the 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 fact that the industry has changed, and you know.
1: Mm -hmm.
4: you know records don't sell as much anymore so people are more greedy and like people are trying to get every last dollar and so when they see somebody like me sampling something they're like he's making money and we need to stop it which you know i give all my projects away for free you know a lot of my projects do get bootlegged to vinyl as you can see back here but i'm not pressing these (laughs) up you know some company elsewhere is pressing them up i don't have anything to do with that and a lot of times uh, i've found in my experience like a lot of the artists are cool with it you know i've gotten shout, shout outs from a lot of the artists i sample and i've i've gotten to tour with like the far side and collaborate with them and like a lot of the times the artists are cool with it but the labels aren't or you know there's also these companies that there's actual um what do they what do you call them like sample sharks or so they're like co- companies that basically go around buying up catalogs so that they can then turn oh, around to yeah, yeah, yeah. people like us in the hip-hop community that are sampling them and uh, that's a whole business model for for people and and so a lot of the times it's it's something like that you know it's either like a label or like a, a company that's just buying up catalogs and then trying to you know uh, come after people for sampling it and um, But, you know, a lot of the times, a lot of the times the artists are actually, you know, cool with it or they they think it's dope and they want to be a part of it or, you know, they want to uh invite me to go on the road with them and stuff like that. So, uh I don't know, it's 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 a weird predicament to be in, especially, you know, with my career and like the amount of like success I've had and like with these projects, it's. um oh it's kind of hit or miss you know some projects get shut down and then some projects lead to like an apple commercial or collaboration with miles davis and and so it really just it's kind of a gamble and and you know it's a risk that that you have to take as a hip-hop producer i guess um but i am you know in the process of like learning how to play more instruments and and trying to create more original music but what i've been doing is also a great study and like i've learned so much about music from doing these projects and, and that's been invaluable too because like as a producer i've i've been able to study like the way stevie wonder puts his songs together and like i've been able to get marvin Gaye's multi-tracks and see really what's going on and solo and isolate them and hear like the different instruments and like being able to do that has taught me so much about music so so you know, I, I definitely want to continue doing projects like this because it's almost like a masterclass for me. I'm, I'm I'm putting myself through through music school, you know. And it, and it is a mass it's a masterclass for the
1: to the listeners too because you you get a new perspective of hearing mm-hmm. your favorite artists come together. So it goes hand in hand. But can you talk about the flexibility of being an independent artist? Because you are an independent artist. You're not signed to a label. Um, so can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Because you, like you were talking about, because of that, you were able to do a collaboration with Apple and then the other things too. So can you kind of talk about that a little bit?
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I've I've been independent pretty much the whole time. You know, my first record, I, I got signed to Cold Busted uh, in 2010, put out an instrumental project with them. But uh, other than that, I've kind of, been a solo act and, and, you know, I went to school at MTSU for digital media. So I learned a lot about, you know, editing and production and marketing and graphics and logos. So I do all of that myself, my website, everything I handle myself. And uh, I give, I give all my projects away for free mostly, you know, except for like my original stuff and beat tapes and Mm. that type of thing. But all the mashup projects I give away for free in exchange for emails. And so I've been, collecting emails ever since I started this back in like 2010, 2011. So I've, I've amassed quite a, quite a big email list. And, uh, and I'm really just kind of playing the long game when it comes to that, you know, and, and building, building a fan base. And that's kind of, I think, you know, I always tell people that's when they're asking me for advice about being an indie artist, I always tell people to get get an email list because you never know how long these social media platforms are going to be around. And everything's always changing. Um. One minute it's Facebook, one minute it's Instagram and you know things come and go, you know, like I've got 17,000 followers on spot on SoundCloud, but SoundCloud is dead now. Like there's nobody on there. I post a track and it's like two listens, you know what mm. I mean? Like then I, then I go on Instagram, post the same track and it's like blowing up, you know? So it's just, um, you know, I think, uh, yeah, you just kind of have to adapt and be flexible. And, uh, I, I have always kind of, like I said, I went to MTSU for digital media. So I've always been kind of forward thinking or just looking ahead at like the internet and, you know, um, technology and I'm, I I always tell uh, also tell people you know when they ask me for advice it's like don't be afraid of technology you know get your hands dirty get in there mm-hmm. download the software download the apps if you're if you're into beats if you're into art Procreate whatever it is like you know you have to have a fearless approach to to technology to to be an artist in in 2021 and so that that's some of the advice that I would give people you know trying to be independent. Um, mm-hmm
2: explains a lot actually as well because that's the reason why when we've got uh, um, a bunch of bunch of uh, almost we say oldies maybe is the best way to put it maybe i'm in that category not not myself personally but you know people like oh yeah i just avoid that that side of that side of media and whatever whatnot i'm old school and i like to stick with my guns but then on the flip side they complain that the music narrative is being guided this way because the youth are picking it up pretty much instantaneously. Kids are literally given phones and iPads to deal with rather than actually full parenting skills. So already they're meshing with how the whole thing works. Hence why, you know, dances on TikTok become viral and become uber popular. And that's how it kind of carries trends. So even saying that um, yourself, cause like you mentioned, you did study you know the, the digital side of things. Where do you, where would you, where do you see th- things going and where would you like to see things going in a sense of digitally pushing forward in the in the environment that we're in at this moment in time
4: um yeah i mean like i said earlier i think you know we have a lot of the tools and technology available to us right now it's just a matter of using it the right way so like you know the internet is such a uh, revolutionary concept and, and, you know, me being born in 85, like I remember what it was like to not have it. And, and so I, we have people that are, you know, my age and older, like we have that unique perspective of having, you know, one foot in the past and one foot in the present and the oh. future. And, and, um, but you know, especially, like I said, with sampling, I think, you know, we have the technology now to, to make hip hop, uh, a viable art form that, you know, why isn't de la soul's three feet high and rising on on spotify you know what i mean like Mm. there's there's classic albums that are banned basically from from society that people you know you can't even listen to and like and we we have to figure out a way to make this work and and uh i'm hoping that in the future you know the copyright laws will will be reassessed and reevaluated and um and sampling will be treated more like um the way they treat cover songs, you know what I mean? Like to get a song for mm. to get a license to cover a song is super easy and it doesn't cost that much and anybody can do it. But then the second you change one note or add one new lyric or like recontextualize it to actually make it something new and different and kind of original, it becomes a different thing. It, it It's not a cover anymore. It's a sample and then you're in trouble and then you're a criminal, uh. you know what I mean? And so. I think, you know, we need to figure out a system where sampling can be treated more like cover songs are treated. I think that's, that's one approach and, and yeah, I'm hoping that in the future, you know, it'll be easier to, to put out these types of projects. And I'm hoping that, you know, people like me are kind of helping to pave, pave the way for that and, and get these labels and, and A&Rs and, and companies to, to recognize it, you know, as something that's valuable. I mean, like. Like I said, this this music is just sitting around and and getting less and less relevant every year uh, unless we do something about it, unless the DJs pick it up and start playing it again or recontextualizing it or remixing it. And and the other thing is like technology now, like we live in a remix society, you know, we live in a remix culture like everybody has iPhones. We got remix apps. Yeah. Like you said, everybody's like remixing stuff on TikTok like it's not going away. So we need to figure out a way to deal with it because like, this is the future. This is the way of the world. Like every, every art form builds upon itself and kind of, uh, yeah, everything is a mashup now, basically, you know, when you look online, Mm. when you look through your feed, you know, like, and so I think that's, that's where the future is headed and that's where it is now. And now the industry just needs to catch up, you know?
1: I totally agree with that, but I think with the industry, I think they're afraid because they're all about the old business model of music. Just keep everybody's stuff, charge higher prices. Now, in this digital age, everything is direct to consumer. So now, again, you were ahead of your time. You were like, hey, just go to my band There you go. Pay like $2, $3. There you go. So what people are doing now, you are already doing
4: yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I've I've definitely followed in the footsteps of others and um, and you know we'll continue we'll continue to do sh- do so, but um but yeah, I think that's that's where the future is. That's where the future lies for for music mm-hmm. in general.
2: Yeah, so cause what I'm cause I currently working with loudbase, um we did actually have an active mixer law internet radio station to because he's um the guy that i'm working with victor shout out to our base and victor and what the great work he's doing so he's african based in nigeria and he does his own break dancing and freestyle sessions and a whole heap of crazy stuff out there and his whole purpose was because of the whole lockdown situation was that he wanted to do something because he couldn't get live performances at the time so he decided to start this um hip-hop more hip-hop based radio station now as time's gone on, uh, he's. I think there was an issue with payment on the last one, so we've had to stop for a few weeks. Because I did say to him as well, it's like, look, I've got love for hip hop and completely, com- really into it. Like that's that's how I got here. When one of the ways I got here in the first place. But what I started to do is like every every set that I would do, I'd finish on a classic, like a literal classic. So that could be anything from Marvin to Curtis to I mean, this goes on to old school funk and. Um, you know, disco, just to show that this is the connection and something new. And I did suggest to him, is like, look, in the case of us going forward, because he wants me to manage it, is we need to just cover music. So that's R&B, soul, funk, whatever. We need to just be able to to really, whilst we have a platform like this that isn't going to pull our stuff down, is that we, I, can, we, well, not just myself, but other people can play that variety of music to educate people because that's effectively what he's trying to do. And even taking a step back now when i really think about you know even even people that because i'm 35 well i was born in 85 like you so i'm one one foot in one foot out i'm speaking to artists who i'm supporting now who are in their 20s and you mentioned certain names and they don't even know who you're talking about say things like say like an artist like onyx oh who's onyx Like what <laughs> hold on but you listening to everything that comes up till now and you're telling me you don't even but then it makes sense because once again It's almost like the the continuous pace of the way the internet is at the moment. It's always throwing new stuff at you and you're not ever being able to sit back and kind of sit, you know, relax into yourself because I look at myself 10 years that well, you look at it, sorry, 10 years down the line. You know, we can turn around and be like, oh, yeah, J. Cole's album was a classic from what's been dropped recently. And you could still listen to that 10 years down the line or K.O.D. or any of his works. But a lot of the kids now growing up, I don't really honestly see a lot of these artists having music that they're going to be playing, you know, 10 years, 10 years down the line. So that's why I have to just really give my soup and flowers to yourself for doing what you're doing, and especially for free. And I think that's also maybe the takeaway from one of the takeaways from this is. Obviously, you can't profit off it because once again, you become a criminal. But how does how does how does when people have approached you and you've probably propositioned this to them? How what's the usual reaction that you get? It's like, look, if you're going to do something, try it, put it out. If it gets taken down, so what? But I'm sure you probably get a lot of um, you know hit back of like, well, why are you giving away this for free, and why don't you chase these and um, the labels and copyrights and go get this stuff clamped down? What's that situation like?
4: Um, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, it's it's a, like I said, it's a weird situation to be in, but because I don't, I don't feel comfortable taking money for, for these projects, you know, for like sampling Marvin Gaye or I'm very transparent Mm -hmm. with my samples. Like, like, as you can see that the, the faces of the artists that I use are on the album cover. So I'm really trying to like Mm. put people on and share the music and, and give credit where it's due, you know, like some some of the liner notes on my projects have the samples listed on it and you know if people want to come after me so be it but but you know i'm not trying to sweep it under the rug and i you know as fun as fun as it is to kind of like try to hide behind the veil of of sampling and like pick the most obscure sample and not tell anybody who it is like and pick it out as a hip-hop head like that's never been where I'm at, I'm always trying to like, share the music with people. I, I want people to know where the sample came from. And I want them to go to go dig it up. So um, but you know, I, yeah, I do get a lot of like, aspiring mashup DJs and stuff hit me up. Like, how do you do it? How do you get away with it? You know, how do you? How do you not get in trouble? And, and, you know, the reality of it is that, you know, I'm just like anyone else. And, and at any moment, like, you know, my whole catalog could get shut down. So you know, that's, Mm. Um, I'm just trying to get it out there and, and, you know, hopefully it, it will continue to live on. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's strange. It's a tricky situation with, with the copyrights and all of that.
1: Um, okay. Mm. I think before we familiar go, familiar, can you man, talk about, with the, an
3: artist, um,
1: okay, bro. Mark, good, bro. you got it. Go ahead.
3: Marcus Oh no I was just saying yeah. that's uh, as a as an illustrator man I do fan art and uh, yeah. the fan art like that I feature is you know I do Marvel DC superheroes or you know I did a series about the, uh, uh, an African avatar you know based on the avatar last airbender and um, it's the same concept man at any point you know that's written at that those those logos those those uh you know if a you know Superman I'll draw a young uh, black superhero character that has a, super- that can be shut down. They can take that off the shop. They can cease and desist that. Um, but Have the you risk had... of just put it, go ahead. No, I, no, nothing yet. Uh, nothing yet, but I, I did talk to a copyright, um, attorney that reached out to me and she's like, Oh, they, she said, I, she said, listen to me, they don't exist. She said, if they <laughs> haven't come after you yet, that's probably because they, you know, you're not worth the trouble or something. She said, but they know you exist. She said, I used to do that every day, all day. She scours wow. the internet looking for copyright infringement. And she said, oh, they know you exist. They know. And I was like, for real?
1: She's like, oh yeah, you know, like, it's hard to find,
3: you know, all of this stuff. And so I was a little, I was a little intimidated. But like you said, it's it's not to hide or to say you know because uh, I do one trick and I and I'm curious about that. So with a comic art or any fan art like that, if I go to a comic con, it's it's a mm. bubble of protection. Like it's meant to sell fan art. That's where you go be a fan and in, in the industry, Marvel, DC, anybody would be insane to say no, y'all can't do that no more. Uh, everything's is can't be sold cuz that literally feeds the whole point of those conventions and they make everybody makes too much money the, the yeah. city makes money the copyright owners make money the artist makes money fans can sell something they bought from an artist at a con you know oh. so it, it's it, they they'll be insane but in that bubble only if i go online and I'd shout out to yo, look at this storm I just did, baby. This, Yo, this my... <laughs> Marvel, Disney can be like, oh, for real, shut that down. Shut it down. But um, it's it's in that same vein. Like you said, it's not hiding the fact that you're a fan or you want... You know, you understand it's not yours, but a lot of times it's necessary. Um, Marvel and DC are trying to show art that showcases black and brown characters, but they may do it the wrong way, you know. They're they're hiring white writers to write uh, a story that is beyond them. They they can't possibly understand. Or you know, diversity. You know, you're hiring mm. the the wrong people to actually showcase this, and then they're getting slapped back saying, "Oh, I like it. I guess we'll cancel the book." But fans are like, you know, Storm is an African woman. She's not an African American. Mm-hmm. She's an African woman, and to today mm-hmm. it's still they just kind of touch on the heritage uh, or how regal she's supposed to be because they don't write it. They don't have that in their values. And as a fan, I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm drawing Storm with afros. I'm drawing her <laughs> in her. I've I've literally drawn her in her ancestral Kenyan, you know, outfit, and i had mm-hmm. like, from people from Kenya. Like, yo thank you i've never (laughs) i I didn't know if i was ever gonna see storm this way and i'm like i just want to see it i just want to get out because that's how i feel she should be represented uh she should be represented so the same thing to what you're saying it's like if they're missing the opportunity the industry is missing the opportunity to showcase something that the fans will definitely bang with it's you know, as an artist, you're like, well, let me just do it. You know, I know it's not mine. I know I'm I'm not supposed to do this, but a lot of times I'll just post up to the internet, man, just to share it because people need to see it. Um, I think people need to see it. I feel oh. like it's it'll resonate with people. And thankfully, uh, once I got on Instagram, I didn't even want an Instagram account, but it's now you know where my biggest fan following is. Like you're saying, it's that's gonna change depending, uh, tick years, but right now, that's the kind of thing to where people, it's a visual platform. So it works, you know, still.
4: Yeah. And, and it resonates uh, feel, with people. I feel you on that, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I know it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky with what you do and intellectual property and especially with big, big companies that. like this, Disney yeah. and Marvel, but, but I do feel like I think, art and music get treated differently in this respect, Mm -hmm. a little bit, like, you know, Andy Warhol can get away with slapping a Campbell's soup can on his painting (laughs) and it's fine art, you know what I mean? Or just cropping a photo of Marilyn Monroe, it's all good, you know what I mean? But the second I sample one note of Marvin Gaye's music, it's OV, it's done, like, and so I... And then even even the fact that they have these conventions, you know, like that for fan art and that fan art is such a mm-hmm. pro- prolific like community and, and thing, you know, you don't really see that with remixing or, or music necessarily, you know, like you, if we had a, a convention of remixing, like they would shut that down immediately, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and- uh, With no
2: suits intact. <laughs> Blue why suits. Is but that I do, you know, not I know, trial, why why do I know it's a do slippery it, slope. <laughs> I, th- I have a, I, I have a theory on this And I'm only just because you guys are giving me the comparison Because you're both into two things That I am seriously passionate about I think in the case of the art Especially in the sense of the comic books is Comic books um, have always gone up and down Disney's always been Disney But Disney don't get the bulk of their money Through the programs or the movies that they sell They get it through the merchandise They get it through people turning up at Disney World Themselves So that's where they get their the majority of profit hence why if you then do like a rework of a piece of art and try to sell it they're coming for you they're like no, no 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 we didn't give you permission but if you're just doing this to say oh I like Disney and I'm doing my own version for them it's like oh well that's pretty that's cool because in turn it's going to feed their current narratives in order to help tran- transfer that person in order to be a transaction or sale and even in the case of conventions that's how the whole comic and real art community unless you're an art collector has been built up is by people sharing or reworking or recreating and doing their own bits and bobs and also shout out to storm and when she was married to t'challa like i remember that whole that whole thing and then they split them up like the typical black families, not happy about that guys but we'll leave that (laughs) from there but then then we move on to the case of music the different the, the different oh you wasn't um, you you are happy that they split up yeah okay well <laughs> I did I did um, a
3: whole fan fiction of them staying married and having kids
2: oh you did like, for yeah. real like yeah, I, okay. I,
3: well. I designed the kids I designed the whole look and people thought it was Marvel I was like no no I'm just doing this could as you a imagine fan, that bro. though? this is what should have happened <laughs> yeah they should have they should have stayed yeah. together and half, had kids half. and they would have been a royal yeah. black superhero African family I was like what the hell is wrong with you that's dope and it would be half a condon, old, I would Black- read that comic
2: yeah. Yes, same here, half a condon, half mutant, no, just leave that at the door right there, but that's also <laughs> the thing, it enables them in order to, to, and that's also how they find new artists and people who put new stories together, because that's the thing that keeps the narrative going, because the comic community's been always based in supporting each other, I mean, look at even the Star Wars community Star Wars is supposed to be a B B B-rated movie, that's exactly what it was, and now it's become this big AAA franchise, but now look at what they've done, Disney have done to mess that up. So much so that the whole community's like gone against each other that George Lucas has had to now step back in and say, no, 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 no. we're gonna have to reset this whole thing. There's a different passion when it kind of comes to that fantasy and art based stuff. However, when I see what I've seen with music is, is that music and no, no offense to the art side of stuff, but music has always been a timeless, almost a timeless thing. And it's like, once they've got a hold of it, it's something that, you know, you can go to Japan you can play like any any song that's really popular there. I think the best example I have, as much as I don't want to mention it on a hip hop platform, but it's like Britney Spears, for instance. Or even like go to go a Kanye West song, for instance. You can go to any country and they know every single word of yeah, because you mentioned um gold digger. So let's go with gold digger. They know every word to gold digger every word but then go try have a conversation with them and watch how that whole thing breaks down the problem is is that with music it seems to break the international barriers and the way of logical thinking because it's music is naturally what we are we're built from rhythm that's what we are like if you want to get to those levels of things but you know apparently scientists have found that we do run on frequencies and vibrations personally the way i look at it before we even started to make even even when we was making sounds we were banging things if you believe in the primate way of coming up through everything so i think there's just a the, the the thing is is like you can stamp something on like your marvin Gaye's or your nina simones and whatever and say right this is ours and we're always going to keep it because it's going to be back to the timeless thing and i think that's where the disparity kind of comes into as in when it kind of comes to art it's hard to it's hard to clasp onto one person because it can vary uh, marcus can draw um storm i could draw storm um ish can draw a storm you could draw storm um America, and it will all look different but the story of storm would still be the same it's hard to do the same thing when you're doing that with music because it literally is, that's their sound, that's their voice, that's their lyrics, and that's what's set forward to, and hence the reason why you mentioned earlier about there being the fraud aspect of, as soon as you do a cover song and you change just one little note or one little lyric, boom, gone. Because now you've tried to make something your own when that was then now set in our imprint of things. And what's even more offensive yeah, about like the whole thing- it's like collective memory. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. There you go. And, and what's even more offensive behind this whole thing that we are in, from what inspired us is, this is supposed to be Jigaboo music, yeah? These are the things that we were making loads of noise with this noisy, noisy, noisy music, and it has no real passion, and nothing is a derivative of anything, even back to the day, up until hip-hop. And now look at it, you can't go anywhere, you can't even watch a TV program without hearing a four by four beat, or an 808. So that's the reason why I think it's just, music can carry with no international barriers. And that's the way my conception is to it, and that's where greed comes into it. But correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. But that's my theory, anyways, on it.
1: I, I, that was Juju rant for today.
2: It <laughs> was even intentional. It wasn't intentional, guys. <laughs> it's not the episode for the Juju rant. That was just me, just <laughs> politicking. <laughs>
1: but uh, America what do you what do you guys say about that? What are, what are your feelings? the the the. the... The, the the difference between the two when it comes to that
4: uh yeah i agree with a lot of it i mean you know music is it's very sacred to people you know and the second you start messing with it it's you know it throws people off and, and it can mess up their collective memory of, of the song or, or what they grew up listening or what their dad grew up listening to and that's, that's why I, I treat my projects with so much respect and and really try to do them justice. You know, I, I don't take it lightly and, and I always try to make it timeless and, and I don't just throw it out there if I don't think it's good enough, you know, and, and mm. if I don't think like Marvin would rock with it, you know what I mean? Or, or most deaf would rock with it and I won't put it out. And, you know, I only put out stuff that I think the artists would respect and be proud of whether they're living or, or deceased. And, mm. um, and, and yeah, I also agree that like, we are musical beings and that like, you know, the evolution of, of, of music and art has always been there for, for people. And like, before we could, you know, before we had language, like we had songs, you know, that's how we recorded stuff before we had the written text and words, right. like, like people orally like recorded songs and, and histories. And, and that's how they pass it down to their kids and, and so it's it's a very sacred thing, and so like I, I again I don't I don't take it lightly, and I always try to do these projects the the, the justice that they deserve. So true that, true that, man. And talking about something that's Ishmael, sacred,
3: Ishmael, I wanna um, I wanna show you that, um, if you can do this. I just sent you the rec- the the draw through the time lapse of the painting just now.
1: Okay. See if
3: see if it'll let you pull that up and share your screen. Uh, I did. I just did the, the quick time. So it was like thirty seconds, so nothing too long. But I no, sent you on a, a messenger real quick. See if see if it'll let you share that, bro. Okay,
2: no
1: problem.
2: And also, like, I, that, that's, good,
4: that's my okay, warm up we... for today. I want you know, I got to get back.
2: Right. Well, <laughs> thanks for that as well. <laughs> no, yo, Thank I really pleasure.
4: love. I I really love the Ninja Turtle series you did, man. I'm a huge. Yeah, I was fan. about to
2: say that. Um, no, am lift it up a bit. Oh wow, that's
4: what's up. Yeah, the. You did that just now? No.
2: That's crazy. This is talent, wow. ladies and gentlemen.
3: Yeah, why well, are we was talking, man? Real
2: time. Yeah, that's, that's cold, crazy. man. And yeah, your Ninja Turtle, and I saw your uh, Mermaid flex just recently as well. brah. Your, your your kid, I'm actually... I'm working on my own graphic novel, graphic story. Dad, dude, that's cold. That's absolutely cold. We're nice. going to put that wow. up properly at the end, guys. Um, but I am working on my that's own amazing. fantasy story and concept. So I'm going to hit you up personally. I'm going to follow you on my high creativity. I'll DM you. i um,
1: nice. that to you on your DM
2: yeah I'm, I'm gonna need to talk i need to talk to you real talk right. if you've got a minute to help me with some concept with some concept stuff and i try, I try my best to send some dough way, but not to take away from you as well because we're obviously talking a large portion of the sampling the, the sampling side of things but what about your current music and the things that you're working on because like you said like when you mentioned earlier about having the marvin Gaye individual you know the individual the sample well the individual um instruments for me that would be amazing to listen to some of my greatest songs ever um the greatest songs ever and literally listening to each instrument being played so you've said that's obviously helped you go through your masterclass and advancing you but what's what's going on with your personal projects now what can we expect from your personal catalog going forward like is there any mashups coming not mashups but collaborations with people or any artists in particular that you're going to be working with
4: uh yeah i'm always i'm always busy i got a handful of projects i've been working on and uh like I said, I've been working trying to work with more real artists like in a collaborative way lately and and produce more original projects. I did a a project uh, last a couple of years ago now with uh, ZMR from the Bay Area. She's a vocalist mm-hmm. uh, we we did a project called 1990, which was like an ode to 90 s R and b and it's all original instrumental beats that I created. you know I played all the instruments she sang on it. I'm working on a project with uh, Napoleon, the legend, who's another really prolific uh, MC that I'm really excited about. Um, And uh, I'm working with another artist from Nashville by the name of Petty. Um, I've always got like instrumental beat tapes and stuff like that that I'm working on. Um, I've been doing a lot more work for like film and composing for for, yeah, composing for film and video oh, games and commercials and things like that. That's always been a passion of mine, especially video games. So I've been doing mm. a lot of that. And that's another great way to kind of stretch stretch my creativity and force me to kind of like do things that I normally wouldn't do, you know, and and, and try different genres and styles of music, whether it's, you know, creating a soundscape mm. for a film or a level in a, in a video game or something like that. So I'm always just looking to challenge myself musically. And so um yeah you can expect expect more of that type of stuff from me from in the future but i you know i will continue do, doing the soulmates projects uh mm-hmm. if it makes sense you know what i mean like i said if the artist mm-hmm. makes sense and if, if i really have a vision that i think works you know you can definitely expect to see more soulmates projects coming mm-hmm. coming in I the mean, future one, as well so
2: one that might be already typical but what will be quite crazy is if you maybe do a um I mean, you probably thought of it, but like, you know, like a Bootsy or maybe Slave, you know, like Slave the Funk Band and like a Snoop Dogg mashup just because of the way that they um they both um they both resonate like together. Hardcore, because obviously that whole funk and mid like that Midwest Chicago funk sound and then influencing that, that that would be. Yeah, I mean, I mess with those kind of stuff when I DJ, anyways. But look, real talk, because I'm, I'm in the case of high creativity, I love connecting people, especially I've got a few artists here in the UK that, you know, if it's okay with you, that I'd like you to connect with. And maybe if you guys kick it off and vibe, but definitely Crisis Macau is one guy that I'm pushing like hardcore. He's like a mix between the rap and the, the vocalist side of things. But just from your vibe and your sound, I think that would be quite interesting. But, anyways, um, no, I'll no. definitely like then he connects you to a few UK artists yeah. that are definitely looking for that, them vibrations, man. Please definitely. do,
1: please do. Real fast, bro. Talking about Secret. Talk about Heroes of Time. Talk about that. The Zelda joint. Talk Uh-oh. about it. Please talk about Oh, it. wait, that was you oh, as man. well. Wait, wait,
2: hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold up, hold up. Stop the, stop the record, stop the record. Bro. do you know you, you talk about what? that, bro.
1: Talk about that, bro. Bro. Bruh.
2: Bruh. bruh. First of all, before you go, that was so <laughs> cold. Yo, real talk, especially being a uh, especially you, being an N64 Zelda Oracle time fan, <laughs> bro. Yo, you bodied that, bro. Bodied that. Oh work.
4: man, thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, I, I've known to I've known to hop on the mic from time to time. You know, it's some some I'm I'm passionate about as well as writing lyrics and, and rapping, and obviously video games and Zelda is is a huge huge part of who I am, and so so that joint just kind of. I don't know. It just kind of happened, man. I was just like walking around, you know, listening to listening to the Zelda soundtrack one day and it all just kind of poured out of me. So, um, but, you know, uh, but yeah, I grew up playing Ocarina of Time. You know, that game was really special to me because of the musical element to it, I think, (laughs) you know, and, 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 Uh, again like i said earlier like video games is one of the reasons that's one of the catalysts you know aside from hip-hop that got me into production and so i kind of i kind of wanted to pay tribute to to one of my favorite games i've done a few joints like that though i did a chrono trigger joint um a couple years back for one of my favorite games chrono trigger uh yeah i did a joint uh tribute to that like a rap tribute and then i was just actually featured on uh I just did a joint with mega ran on his new black materia project or uh, black materia remake album, which is a final fantasy seven tribute hip hop album. I was about so, to just say,
2: I was about to just say, have you done a final fantasy seven? Okay. Now you got me, bro. We're going to, I'm going to send me those yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. You see that? <laughs>
4: Nah, I'm a huge gamer, right, man. It. It's, uh, uh, I'm a huge gamer. And, uh, yeah. And and I love the MC, you know, I I only do it from time to time when I feel inspired, but hopefully, you know, I'll I'll continue like chipping away and trying to put out like an album or an EP eventually of, of some of my rap stuff. But but every once in a while, you know, something just clicks and 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 I'll just write something and, and put it out. So that's kind of how that hero of time joint came along. But um, but yeah, man, uh, glad to glad to be in good company with some some fellow gamers
1: facts man that that that's a banger man
4: seriously I, I, are we going to get another a zelda installment
1: down the road or what's, what's going on um yeah, i, you know, I was, think i think you yeah,
3: with
4: that uh i don't know i mean that's also a tricky situation too with the intellectual property you know what i mean nintendo and and all of that and i know that's something you know like like the homies megaran and and people like k Murdoch deal with a lot you know because they do like and video game kind of inspired remixes and tributes oh. and and it's tricky with that too because it's not a cover you know it's it's right. it's taking the video game soundtrack and flipping it and adding new lyrics and stuff like that and so um you know but the whole video game remix community that's a whole another thing it's kind of like the fan art thing with what yeah you were talking yeah about, Marcus. you know it's a whole like they have festival mag fest music and games fest uh i went to it back in cali And uh, it's 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 a whole community and a whole kind of subculture of like video game remix remixing and so, um, but but yeah, it's definitely something I'm interested in. I probably won't do another Zelda joint just because I want to keep it moving, keep it fresh. But uh, and also, yeah, you know, I don't want to get in trouble with Nintendo. But the interesting joint about or the interesting thing about the Hero at Time joint is is one of the things I try to do with it. I really tried to recreate everything from scratch. I didn't sample anything from the game for that joint. Like I recreated all the sound effects. I recreated all the instruments uh, from scratch, you know, all the, you know, Koji Kondo melodies and everything because, because I didn't, I didn't want to get in trouble and and that still doesn't guarantee that I won't get in trouble but maybe it'll reduce the chance of me getting in trouble for it. So, you know, I I wanted that track to live, live on for a little while. So I replayed everything and, and, and it was really fun actually doing the sound effects because I did I used a lot of the sound effects like in interspersed between my verses and and so I got to kind of have like a, a crash course in sound design like trying to recreate some of those mm. Zelda sound effects and and that was a good good learning experience for me too because I'm also trying to do sound design for games and stuff so um, but yeah it was a lot of fun and and yeah I'll, I'll probably continue doing joints like that random randomly you know when I feel like it so. That's dope, man. No, nah, you uh, keep on,
2: no, you, bro, you you push, bro, you push with them get them gaming <laughs> soundtracks. No, nah, for real, for real, because there's one, I was actually trying to, I wasn't being impolite, I was trying to look through my phone at the same time. There's a game, <laughs> it was released on PlayStation 2 by Square Enix. It was like, begins with an M, it's like Mitsubishi, like um, Mitsuragi or something on those lines. It was like a, like an action-based game, but the soundtrack was like one of the most memorable soundtracks i've ever heard and i think that's kind of where the influence of like lo-fi because i'm massively into lo-fi now at this particular moment in time i can't get enough with like the sort of chill hop kind of sound and vibes and their producers and that kind of side of things but no nah, man for real bro you're yeah you're g forget it we're, we're joined by geniuses i sit here thinking I'm, I'm i get told i'm good but look yo i'm in the presence <laughs> of greatness i'm i'm gonna humble myself i'm gonna sit back i'm gonna zip my teeth <laughs>
1: This episode was definitely a masterclass. Hands out, man. Mm. This this was dope. And then also, you know, you guys are here together. Can we probably have a Tuskegee Airs collaboration with Gazaway? You
3: you know I'm not going to say no to to, to, to this, (laughs) man. I'm not gonna say no to beautiful.
4: Yeah, men. when it gets and, picked up on uh, Netflix, you, yo, hit me up. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know here's, what, the
3: thing. Here's, relying, here's the craziest thing:
2: why are we relying on them?
4: <laughs> I'll
3: just yeah, call, yeah, yes. I'll yeah, just, just touch do it. On it. We just this is something where uh, we I can't say all the way, but we just received a grant to do an animated short. That's all I can Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. say. But we were starting on it, oh. and the grant is sizable. So the, the the cool thing is, uh, the money. Look, the money's there, so you just let me know what you need, bro. Uh, it's we're gonna work with some with a. Uh, we had like some real, real down people, man, that we've been working with for over twenty years, uh, waiting for us to get the green light. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know what I'm saying? It, look, the money's there, so we're gonna put the we're gonna put the, uh, the lines out. But no, it's, it's it's real, man. It's like uh, we we are definitely about to hit uh hit the ground running because we have about i'd say about a good handful of years six months to a year to produce it but um, i man me and greg have been thinking about music production i've been thinking about all of the mood because i'm a heavy anime head, and that's one of the things that that bother me the most when i see animation that goes soft or goes light on getting um. that 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 element, that layer of music and you know atmosphere and tone, I'm like it, thinking, just think, look, think about Final Fantasy. What they did with Sephiroth, right? That one one wing <laughs> angle track. You know What I'm saying,
4: like I can't. I don't know what they were smoking.
3: Yeah, when they, when they was
4: coming up with that, I would love to be. And there. also, like with MIDI, like with midi files though too like they didn't have an orchestra that was all within the playstation sound shit you know what i mean so that that was just the limitations of that yeah it's crazy like
3: right that's that's what i want i'm coming from i'm a fan of those creatives on all levels man like because after you see something and you see you know you get past the entertainment oh that was dope and you go back and fan like, dude, look at listen to this. Yeah, you know, I could yeah. play, I could play Sephiroth's track while I'm working, man, and I get hyped. So yep. <laughs> that's that stuff yeah. where um I've been thinking of Gears as a creative, the person that, you know, as as I'm seeing the I see the art and the animation going on in my head, but I hear, mm. you know, what I want it to be. Like, I don't know what the sounds, you know, the, what the actual tracks are, but when I when we get to that point where we're actually working with a composer and whatever, man, I'm ready. You know, so basically, whatever, yeah. whatever, what, yeah. you, you, know, you
2: definitely know. send people your ways. <laughs> I'm yeah, definitely, give, I'm give definitely gonna. <laughs> yeah for yeah. and I'm gonna send, I'm gonna send a couple of my guys to to Omega so that's gonna be a connection between a connection isa we're gonna have to <laughs> yeah. all, uh, but because funny enough when I'm writing when I'm writing my graphic because I've got because I haven't I haven't touched it for a while but I've definitely written the first few chapters of the story that I'm working on and it's funny enough that like, you say like for me when I'm in when I'm just thinking about it when I'm having my kind of wind down and such like I listen to stuff like liquid dB just for that kind of for those uplift and those moving those moving scenes and thinking about how i would want the whole thing to be constructed when it's kind of been written and broken down um or then for instance when you kind of want to slow it down like i always apply music because that's the way i've applied life like is music is literally the soundtrack to my life is how would that play to fit those moods and i think one of the most modern two modern joints that really represent the right vibe of it is Samurai Champlu, without a shadow of doubt, um, resting, you know, Music, New um, new Jabbers, and also, you know, Fat John for the whole collab. But Yasuke with Flying Lotus, Fly- Flying Lotus really pulled it out for Yasuke. Like the way that that soundtrack matches is absolutely crazy. And also funny enough, Godfather of Harlem, I know it's not animated, but Swiss Beats really captured each one of those episodes extremely well with all of the way that he produced and made that so y'all, man look i'm i'm just hyped man i am mean, like i said i'm gonna i'm presence of history something's gonna happen out of this i know that for a fact uh,
3: i'm gonna I'm put that i'm gonna put what i just so, painted on a shirt man i'm uh i'm, I'm aware just for myself but I'm, if you want one, bro let me know i'm gonna send it i i can uh, i'm working with printable too i'm i'm print. i'm fixing my shopify store now but yeah i'm i'm, I'm testing mm. the uh the all over print shirts so I like the lines to be large on my shirt. But uh yeah, man, yeah. that's 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 the kind of stuff where um I love love collabs, man. But you know, it's it's just speaking to the culture, man. If you're doing something that and you know the passion is undeniable, um, don't ever stop doing what you do, uh, and the way you do it, man, because uh-huh. it's you you know what touches the people cause it touches you first. Um uh what was that question? Like if it gives you goosebumps first. There's mm-hmm. a good chance it's gonna give somebody mm-hmm. else goosebumps while you're you're creating it. So um love what you're oh, doing, God. man. Huge fan. Respect what you like doing. Respect likewise.
4: The grind. Yeah. likewise. Appreciate it, y'all. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah
0: that's
4: like, uh, for real. Before, now, thanks
2: for joining
1: us, man. For real. Before before you go, guys, just tell people where they can find you.
4: Who goes first?
1: Oh uh, man, you go ahead. You got you got more links. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs>
4: Um, yeah, well, my name is Amerigo Gazaway. You can find me. Uh, my website is AmerigoMusic.com. Um, I've also got SoulmatesProject.com, which, uh, which started as the Soulmate series, but it's kind of evolving into a label now that I'm working with other artists. Um, you can find me on all the social media platforms, just Amerigo Gazaway. And, uh, and yeah, stay tuned. I got a lot of new projects coming out and uh, happy to be here.
2: My, 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 my.
3: Look, I'm coming, look, I'm coming for them game joints. I ain't heard those yet.
4: I gotta hit that. <laughs> yeah, yo, yeah, y'all, you you got to check that black black material, man. Mega Ran, you gotta, you gotta check that out. If one, if of, you're my a movie, Fantasy, one of my Final favorite Final Fantasy, uh Final Fantasy nerd like okay, myself. Yeah, I'm, one of my favorite so, materials. It's not man. on Spotify, is it? I think it is actually. Yeah, okay, yeah, game chops and I'm Mega, Mega Ran. I'm I'm on the joint. I I, I did a joint uh, where I played Sid. Sid from Final Fantasy Seven. So I got I got a. jump Oh where get I'm, out of here, bro. I'm I'm Rapping know. rapping from the perspective of, of Sid from Final Fantasy Seven. <laughs>
3: yeah, I wanna I'm, <laughs> a, I'm, to that. Um, I'm Marcus the Marcus, Visual. Marcus? Uh yeah, Marcus the Visual, you can see that on my name there. Uh um, MarcusTheVisual.com is my website. Uh all the social networks is Marcus Visual. Um, you know, Tuskegee Airs. Tuskegee is uh airs with H E I R S Airs. Um, TuskegeeAirs.com is where you can buy the comic. Uh, we got the novel out now. We have four issues available. Uh, working on issue five, and lots of good stuff coming down, man. I'm not look. When we get something moving, uh, we're not gonna be quiet. We're gonna just drop it in the Beyonce album, um, <laughs> and, just, and just let the world take it in. But um, yeah, it's 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 a lot of great things coming down, guys. Um, you know, because I'm I'm not gonna stop until this this representation is properly done um we've pitched it to yeah, networks right. and like do they all have to do all the pilots have to be black you know we're like uh-huh yes, yes bro,
4: <laughs> it's kind of kind of the uh, point you know,
3: like it's, it's like for real yeah. and, you, and you, if we give it you, to, you, if we give it to somebody else you know they'll they'll most likely reverse engineer it change it to what they call a broad audience or what's appealing to the audience. yeah audience. it's it's perfect the way it is man it's just we gotta stop letting industry you know say what what's real
2: Do you know what we need to hit up Is the 85 South show on this one One thing I can give about Carlos Miller and them lot is They all about this stuff as well We might need to get David Banner and the rest of them involved With that like no we will create a peaceful Protest but real talk No we're representing a lot Because there's some real deep stories in that So no we're going to help drive you all the way forward So guys if you tuned into This very moment in time we want to thank You once again for another episode of The High Creativity Podcast make sure you like comment and subscribe share to your friends your families we're all about this and having great conversations and until next time we'll be back again soon peace love and all that good stuff